to summarize that first question, we each have finite energy and time. And we have to use that finite energy to find opportunities to be of service, to be in integration with the environment. At the same time, we need to keep entropy low in within ourselves and within the systems that we inhabit. This leads me to the next question, which is, okay, how can we collaborate more effectively together? How can we collaborate more effectively together? Now, notice this. Notice there are some relationships in your life that just work, right? They're additive to you. You're additive to the other. And notice there are other relationships that just feels like a drain. You know, just no matter what you do, no matter how, how much you bend over backwards to help, help the other person, it just feels like a drain. And it likely probably feels like a drain to them too. Now, all of management literature, right? All collaboration literature is usually oriented towards how to shift those drains, those draining uh, employee relationships, those draining partnerships into more of neutral or more of a gain. And I just want to call out that the, the kind of a truth here that when a relationship is going well, like a collaborative relationship is going well, you don't need to do much. It's just gonna, it just kind of works. You with me? I'd like you to honor that relationship, appreciate them, keep it going, but it doesn't need a lot of corrective action. So I want to focus this segment on what do you do when a key collaboration requires corrective action? Okay, if you have an energy drain with a key collaborator, it's helpful to know that there's three general buckets that that relationship's gonna fit in. One of, one of three or maybe even more, but these three buckets of uh, conflict are a conflict of vision and values, a conflict of interests, and a conflict of styles. And what I'm proposing is that if you can orient where this energy draining relationship is showing up in one of these strata, is it a conflict of vision and values? Is it a conflict of interest? Or is it a conflict of styles? Then that's going to tell you what you need to do to reduce the entropy, to reduce the energy drain in that collaboration. So the first and biggest bucket of conflict is a conflict of vision and values. And this is an extreme form of conflict. Vision is where I want we want to end up in our life. Values are how we agree to collaborate and be together. I have to tell you this, if there's a, a true conflict of either vision or core values, there's nothing you can really do to repair or work in a collaborative way with that relationship. Okay, you, what you need to do is end it. So conflicts of vision and values, when they're real, they are extreme. It's why religions go to war. It's why, uh, uh, Governments fight over world models, right? It's why uh, people get divorced. Like we just fundamentally want different things. We, we operate through the world in fundamentally different ways. And so this is the reason for the adage, like hire slowly, fire quickly. <laughs> because if you hire someone who has misaligned vision and values, that's going to cause entropy in the system to rise really radically, really fast. Okay. It's also the adage of for date, date before you get married. Because okay? you're initially attracted to someone awesome, but you want to spend some time really getting to know that person, what's in their heart, what really makes them tick, and is there alignment? Is there alignment with you? So if you notice a conflict at that level, 
and it's authentic, you got to just end the relationship. If you can't end the relationship, that entropy is going to remain really high in that system, no matter what you do. The next bucket of conflict is a conflict of interest. Now, conflict of interest shows up when what's seen as a, a, a good for one side is seen as a loss for the other. What's seen as uh, good for management is a loss for the employees. What's uh, bad for the parents is good for the kids. Okay, it's a sense of a trade-off. Yeah, and navigating the conflict of interest is not nearly as hard as trying to navigate a, a conflict of vision and values. And the secret is on the on the page here. If you notice a conflict of interest, the first thing you have to do is work to establish trust. So trust always has to be there. That's the adage, the speed of trust, right? If there's mistrust, it's going to be very hard to get alignment and to bring entropy down in that collaboration. So you need to establish trust. And if you can do that, then the answer is to go on this page up a level to shared vision and values. That's why it's so important to have an established shared vision and values up front in a collaboration. Because if that goes away, you lose the air cover, you lose the, the corner the cornerstone to navigate any conflicts of interest. So let's look at the US political system. Po politics, by the way, is a system designed to navigate through conflicts of interest. In the United States, we have a massive split in shared vision and values. It just doesn't seem to exist. It's very polarized, right? We can all see that. And so it's very hard for the political system to navigate uh, and navigate through conflicts of interest in a way that increases integration. Entropy is really high in that system. It's affecting all of us, right? So if, if I was in the political system, I would first try to work to reestablish shared vision and values. And if we can establish shared vision and values, then we can start to navigate through conflicts of interest. And it won't always be easy, but it's almost impossible unless you have shared vision and values. That's why you'll see uh, if, uh, okay, this will be sound a little silly, but if aliens came down to attack the United States, you'd quickly see us align on shared vision and values for survival. And we start to rapidly navigate through all these old conflicts of interest, right? That's why this, the saying is never lose the opportunity of a good crisis. It's what helps you to navigate through old legacy conflicts of interest. Okay. Let me summarize that up. If you're noticing a conflict of interest in your collaboration team, maybe someone wants to work less hours or they want, they need, they want more money or they just don't want to work on the project you need them to. What you want to try to do is come up a level to establish shared vision and values. Hey, what, what, what's bigger than both of us, essentially? Okay. Now, let's go to this last conflict, which is a conflict of styles. Now, conflict of styles are really interesting. Conflict of styles lead to friction between us. And we want friction, right? We want healthy friction. That's why we establish relationships is you don't see the same world, the world the same way I do, but we share vision and values. We have aligned interests. We can come together and make something better than, than the sum of us, right? One plus one equals three. And that's because of the friction that occurs when there's a healthy conflict of styles. Now, style conflict uh, shows up again because of finite energy and time. And what that means is that a, a, a style is how we've learned to navigate the complexities of our environment. Okay, I've, I've developed a style over my 50, 50 years of life. It's just different than your style, right? You've also developed a style that allows you to 
the best of your ability, navigate the complexities of your environment. But it all comes back to this idea that there's finite energy and time for all of us. And each of us has to navigate the environment in order to get new energy coming in. So what that means at a fundamental level is that every individual, family, team, company, all systems, all levels has to do four things. And they have to do four things simultaneously. One is we have to shape the environment. The other is we have to respond to changes that are occurring in the environment. And we have to do so as a whole organism, a whole system, including the parts and the tasks, tasks that make that system up. And so just recognizing that fundamental truth, we can apply a pattern language uh, to every system, every individual, every team, everything. Okay, here's how it works. So when we see a, an individual or a team driving hard to produce results fast, that means they're focused on shaping the environment, they're focused on the tasks, we call that the producing force. Okay, it's what drives results. So think about in your own company where you should see a high producing force. You should see it in, func in functions like sales, uh, product development, software engineering, right? Anywhere there's a high drive to get stuff done fast, right? Ship the code, win the deal, complete the project. It's not enough just to produce results, however. We also have to stabilize, right? We have to be able to respond to all the changes that are happening. And this, the stabilizing force is what brings order, okay? It's also focused on the parts and the tasks. A stabilizing force should be high in your organization in areas like uh, operations, quality control, administration, right? Anywhere there's a need to bring order out of chaos. Now, the interesting thing is as a business leader, if you were just doing these two things well, producing results and stabilizing or systematizing how you sell, service, and deliver, you would be successful and profitable in the short run. Because while you're producing and stabilizing, the world is changing and you need to be proactive in adapting to those changes. And so when we see a system seeking to be disruptive, driving new innovation, new, new creative changes, we call that the innovating force. And we should see a high innovating force in functions like entrepreneurship, product strategy, business strategy, uh, business development, if it's in a creative uh, new, new greenfield environment, right? That's the innovating force. And we also need to keep everyone on the same page, responding to change as a whole organism. That's the unifying force. It's what brings cohesion, uh, uh, collaboration, esprit de corps together. So we want to see a high unifying force in functions like culture and talent, uh, account management, you know, that unifying force can uh, collaborate with lots of different uh, individual style types. So all four of these things need to happen. And if we can have this pattern language, then we can figure out what to do to improve collaboration with different styles.